Welcome to Peak Tales, a conversation about chromatography. Now here's your host, John. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is John. Today's episode is very interesting. We're calling it So You Think You Have a Bad Column. Let's get right to it as we listen into my conversation with Paul. I'm here today with Paul Altiro, and Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, John. Um, so I've been with Agilent now almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in April. Um, came here from AstraZeneca, where I did uh, small molecule drug discovery, LCMS, and prior to that, I worked for a different company doing uh, mass spec field engineering for probably, I don't know, six, seven years. And when I came to Agilent, I did the same thing. I was LCMS field engineer. Spent a couple of years with the Rapid Fire team, loved it, had a lot of fun. And now for the last, uh, oh, it's going on two years now, I'm doing uh, technical support for the columns group. And what that means is people call us up and they have a challenging separation. They want to know what kind of column to use or how to change their conditions to improve their peak shape or their resolution or something like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I get to talk to different people every day, get to teach a little something every day. So you must see a lot of stuff, right? People calling up or even when you go into the lab and they say, this is a bad column. And I just bought it brand new out of the box and it's not working for me. And, we're, oh, and we should tell our audience, uh, today we're, we're talking about LC columns, okay? We're talking about liquid chromatography today. Great point, because if it was a bad GC column, I would have no idea. Um, That'll be another episode, I assure you, Paul. We'll, <laughs> we'll be talking about uh, GC columns in another episode. But today we're going to focus for you out there on, on uh, liquid chromatography or LC uh, columns. So when you're out in the field, like, what do you see? What kind of problems do you see? So it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Thank you. They, um, a lot of times people will call up and they'll say, well, I, I have a column and there's something wrong with it because my retention time keeps changing. And, uh, or I have a column and my pressure is too high, or I have a column and I just, I just lack reproducibility right out of the gate. And typically the, the retention time in particular uh, is a dead giveaway, right? That's, that's not the column. That's something with the delivery of the mobile phase to the column. It's actually an instrument issue for the most part. Uh, and one of my favorite topics when it comes to it's kind of sad that I have a favorite topic when it comes to LC, but one of my favorite <laughs> topics when it comes to talking about LC is um, solvent management. Uh, and in particular, uh, managing your A bottle, your aqueous bottle. So years and years ago, I, I ran a lab where we analyzed sugars, and all we used was water, pure water, 100% DI. And when I got up there, it was this problem all the time. My technicians would always say, oh, there's something wrong with this column. The retention times are off and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I would pick up the, the aqueous bottle on the LC and swirl it around, and it looked like we were growing sea monkeys in the darn <laughs> bottle. Yeah, we used to call that the terrarium. Yeah, yeah right. And, I was in, yeah. And, and I, don't get me wrong, I, I love sea monkeys, but, you know, not in my, not in my water bottle. Uh, so it's really common. I've seen it as an engineer a couple of times. You know, customer calls up and they say, well, my, my peak is shifting um, back and forth. It's just oscillating. It's just oscillating. It's not, um, it's not stable. Oftentimes you'll see this with uh, pressure fluctuation as well. And the easiest way to do a really quick check is kind of surprising. You pull your uh, purge valve off the pump 
<clears throat> mind you, you shut the flow off, right? Right. You pull, sure. the, you fur, pull the purge valve off the pump, and you pull out that little white frit that's inside the purge valve. And that little frit is there to catch debris that comes off of the uh, pump seals, right? The pump seals are graphite vessels, so they're, yeah, I think they're graphite vessels. They, um, they give off debris that is, is very fine and black. So the color change of that frit should go from a nice bright white to a gray as it catches this debris. When you open that up and you pull that seal out and it's a rich golden brown, lovely, lovely color for the crust of a pie, wrong color for an LC. So what you're saying is that, like, this is something that I can do, right? I don't need to call a service engineer Absolutely. or I need to call my metrology department. I'm not changing the dynamics of the system or anything. It's just literally taking off the purge valve and, and removing that frit. Yep. Um, does that just come out pretty easy with a tweezer? or? I, or I, use a, I use a tweezer. It's malleable. It's soft. You can, a lot of people will spear it with something and pull it out. When we do a PM, we get a bag of five. And we should be leaving the other four with you, the customer, so that, because we do a PM once a year, so you should be able to every two or three months replace that frit. Okay, if that frit looks golden brown or any color other than somewhere between white and gray, that tells you you're growing algae in the water bottle. Okay, okay. and so you're saying, I think I heard you say three months you Ball should be ish. checking, so yeah. just put a reminder on your phone or on your calendar Absolutely. And, and take a look at this very simple, simple piece of preventative maintenance. Uh, and what, would, what will that do? So, so, the, so, so that, you know, that will actually um, um, help with pressure fluctuations? Well, so what, what happens is, what happens is you, you get algae in your bottle and eventually it starts to grow in your degasser as well. And now it flows downstream. It flows into the pump, and it starts causing problems with the valves. Okay, so the the active inlet valve starts to, to clog, or the outlet ball valve starts to clog. And the way these pumps work is, when one piston is is delivering fluid, the other is drawing fluid, and there are valves that that separate different parts of the flow path, so you don't get backstreaming, so that you have constant pressure moving forward those valves start to stick now because of algae or debris built up in them, then when, when a piston is delivering, instead of all the, the liquid, all the mobile phase moving forward as it should, some of it backstreams. So you get these weird uh, pressure spikes. If you're running a gradient, what that means is you're not delivering the percentage of aqueous and organic you think you are because your aqueous side, for the most part, is usually the one where you have the problem, and, and your aqueous side is delivering less than you think it is, and so now your retention time comes out. Typically, your retention time moves forward. And that's another good sign that, that there's something going on with the, the aqueous pump, that it's, it's gummed up, and that it's probably this growth, which you confirm with that golden brown frit. Uh, so, so the first lesson there is don't just assume it's the column, the LC column. Um, take a look at your aqueous uh, solvent bottle. Uh, are, there, are there things and we can do with that? Is it something we can add there? Or? Well, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's about your habits, right? So what you really want to do is you want to change your uh, organic, not your organic, sorry. You want to change your aqueous uh, once a week. Uh, longest that you go is about a week. Um, I used to go into labs. It was funny. I'd go into labs where they were really high throughput. And so they took the one liter bottles down and they put these giant, like four gallon, five gallon, 
they, they just look like giant leader johns. I mean, you could you could cut the top off and, and, and set up an aquarium in the darn things, right? <laughs> I thought once the system was set up. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's just something simple like housekeeping, right, that can improve your chromatography. I think a lot of times, I know I, I in the past, you know, will jump towards uh, some sort of complex chemistry problem uh, or, you know, column problem mm -hmm. or, or even instrument, you know, difficult instrument problem. And it's just something as simple as, as keeping your aqueous side clean and, and changing a frit could make that much of a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And later on, not today, but uh, you know, in other episodes, we'll probably talk about uh, connections and good connections. That's another one that's very critical for um, column behavior. You know, people say, oh, this column doesn't work because right out of the box, I get terrible tailing. And it turns out they, someone's changed a, um, a piece of tubing and they've put a swage, you know, they've made a new connection with a new swage nut and ferrule <clears throat> and it's short. So it's, it's the, the stem beyond the ferrule is the wrong size. Now that puts a mixing volume in the head of the column, and so you get terrible tailing. Yeah, when we're going to talk, we're going to have a whole episode just yeah. on connections because, uh, believe it or not, it's one of those things you can keep showing people and telling people, but I think you constantly need a reminder, uh, especially if you're working in a lab where there's multiple instruments with multiple operators, and everyone is coming to that in instrument with a different level of expertise um, and different habits, yeah. right? So, so you can, you know, get ready to do your work and then find yourself uh, actually in a situation where you've got an instrument that's down or, or uh, a separation that's not performing just because of some minor thing like, like a connection. And, and all of a sudden it doesn't become so, so minor. So, so just tell us about so, so when, they stop, when, when people stop listening to this podcast and they put their headphones down, um, what can they do as they walk in their lab? What's the next step for them? Well, the next step, I think, is to, is to take a hard look at how you manage your aqueous solvents now. If you've been going weeks or even months, please tell me it's not months, uh, without changing your water, if you've just been topping up your water, then let's do a few things right away. First, let's change the water. Let's, let's empty out the current bottle, wash it out thoroughly with alcohol. Now, you're not going to have time to dry it if you don't have spare bottles, so give it a couple DI water rinses uh, as well. Get a clean bottle, fill it with IPA, run through your pump and your degasser on the aqueous channel, run that to waste, but clean out, sterilize, try and get anything that's growing in there, because trust me, stuff is growing in there. Um, try and get that out. Uh, then take your time and, and flush it out with water so that you're back up to an aqueous channel. Once all the flushing is done, then replace your frit, because it's gonna look interesting um, and then spare bottles convert to amber bottles swap your bottles uh, at the end of uh, at, at least once a week maybe if you really have to you can push it to once every two weeks but I, I like to be safe with these things so that's just routine, all right, just routine things to do uh, none of them are really technically difficult 
and uh, you can even refer back to this podcast to kind of make your own little checklist if you if you like. Uh, but it sounds pretty straightforward, and I know as we dive into future episodes, we're going to get a little deeper into the chemistry and and into column chemistry and bonding and things of that nature. But this is something that that just anyone at any level uh, of chromatography experience can take and learn from and and put into practice. So, any parting words for us, Paul? So I, I focused on spare bottles. The other thing you should have a, a spare set of is the sinkers, the, the filters that go on the solvent line. Um, they will get clogged up as well. Right? So if you have the stainless steel ones, you can sonicate them, you can clean them up. But if you have uh, the glass ones with the white bottom, which is right. a sintered glass, you cannot sonicate them. They'll, they'll break. So it's always good to have a couple spare sets of those uh, filters as well. Because if you've been not changing your water regularly, chances are they're kind of clogged. Um, they're, they're cheap to have on hand, or they're inexpensive to have on hand, and yet they can really cost you in, in bad data if you don't think about it. Yeah, the stainless steel filters is something I tell everyone to, to look at doing. I know most of the systems ship with the sintered glass. I think that's what they call yeah. them, right? Um, but a simple thing like stainless steel filters will, will go a long way. And you can clean them and you know, buy a couple spare pairs so you always have a clean uh, set on hand when you're doing the swap out. But all great stuff here today. So, Paul, I just want to thank you for coming out, sharing some of your wisdom. Paul's going to be on some other episodes of the podcast as, as we launch. And uh, I just want to thank you today for some, some really good wisdom on something that uh, can trip a lot of people up. Mm -hmm. But just by knowing just some of these basic housekeeping things and, um, and how they can affect your liquid chromatography system, uh, this can go a great way in, in helping to do better HPLC. So thanks a lot for joining us, Paul. Thanks for having me. I really had a lot of fun doing it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Peak Tales. For more information on what was discussed today, contact your local Agilent representative or go online to Agilent.com.